Welcome to the April 10th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are remote. Eric is in, uh, let me see if I get this right. Budapest? Budapest. 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 Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, it's a beautiful Sunday here. I'm currently sweating uh, the Masters a little bit, um, even though uh, Tiger has already has already lost all the bets I placed on him. Um, and we're going to talk a little USFL. There are lines that are out, and Eric is going to bless us um, with a little USFL. We're going to do NFC South win totals. That is the division we're going to hit today. And uh, it's it's app because we're going to talk a little bit about the Saints-Eagles uh, trade and where the Saints are at. That should be interesting. In addition, of course, to the Tom Brady-Bucks conversation. And we've got ball sack or just whack. Let's rock. I understand that you've committed uh, a sin. Um, rumor has it, it's gotten back to me. You know I have my ways of hearing about these things. That you have faded Eldrick Tiger Woods every single day of the Masters. How dare you? How dare you do that? What the fuck? I know. I know. Damn. Like, George, you're, I, I'll, I'll say this. You weren't all in on Woods, so no. you are not part of my Darth Vader, like, yeah. subset of people so like this is not this is in no way me fading you it was more just you know i'm over here i'm in budapest it, it's um almost 10 it's, o'clock it's, here you went you went with budapest so not just the budapest yeah. but you, yeah so that's is that like elite level now you've been there yeah. for five days you're you're gonna come back you're like um, the girl who goes to, to Paris for like a month sophomore year and comes back and like can't talk to anyone anymore because way too cultured. That's yeah. going to be you. Yeah, I just had uh, Turkish uh, food for dinner. Um, oh, I had some goulash during my uh, as one of the meals at my sister's wedding. Of course. Uh, you know, I can open took, a goulash. Took some it. awkward family photos, as you saw. Um, those, those were something. <laughs> Luckily, the scenery was great. Anyways, tell me how you how did you fade Tiger? I want to know who did you bet on to fade Tiger. So, so here here's again this is back to my my story. So like a lot of the offshore sports books that I bet with like don't work here because uh, of you know the firewalls and all that stuff. The one that the one out that I had that was reliably working um, gave me. A Woods one-on-one with Tony Finau the first two days. So I bet Finau, I think it was like minus 170 or something like that first day. Finau actually came from behind and pushed that day. And then so then the next day they offered Finau at like minus 150. And I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'll do this. So I take Finau at minus 150. He has something like, what, a four-stroke lead on Tiger in, in, on Friday? Yeah, Tiger, not oh, a good start for Tiger. Tiger's front nine was really bad. And then he had a couple birdies in a row, and then he had a couple bogeys, and then he like birdied three or four times. And then it was mostly just Finau melted down, and Finau lost by a stroke. So I lost that one. Yesterday was the wedding, so I really didn't bet anything other than MLS and, and MMA fights that I had bet previous, you know, earlier in the week. And then today, uh, my book offered Bubba Watson against 
Tiger. So I took Bubba Watson minus a half a stroke at like minus 125. And that was a pretty easy win because Tiger had a really rough day today. Um, I think I had Patrick Reed against Tiger for the full tournament. That was the only one that that book was offering me. Um, and and so, so cool. uh, again, is, can I just say this? You don't understand because you, you don't follow golf yes. that I was all, I was all cool with all of the ones you mentioned until we got to Patrick Reed versus Tiger Woods for the whole tournament. He's that is the ultimate, that is the ultimate just disrespect. Patrick Reed, the, the single goal, I wouldn't bet on Patrick Reed if it was guaranteed just out of principle. Like if I already had information that he was going to win, I would refuse to bet him because he is that he sucks that much as a human being. Like I just I refuse. He is he is the worst. So the fact that you were willing to bet him against Tiger, now our relationship's on the ropes. I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. This is this is a it's just it's hard for me to hear that. You're a good friend of mine and for you to do that is is rough. I, I, Patrick freaking Reed Look, I bet the Niners against the Rams. I bet the Niners against the Packers. I bet the Niners against the Cowboys. I have a okay. ton of cachet built up. Yeah, don't you, even do you really are using those brownie points. You use them on Patrick Reed. That's amazing. The money I, um, is still green. I, I mean, Reed might still blow this. But no, if you if you uh, if you win with Patrick Reed, it, the money is not green. It's actually just dog shit colored. That's that's. Um, I'm not I apologize. You. I, I, I'm not going to regale you with the Patrick Reed stories. All I'm going to say is that you should Google what, like Google why Patrick Reed sucks and enjoy yourself. It's okay. Um, so is it, it like it's a long? Okay, I see. That's the thing. But here, look, the green lumber fallacy. I do not succumb to this. Right. I I I know enough. I look, look. You you said you were chastising me off air, saying, "Look, there's so many better bets to make," and I'm like. I have no like the only thing I knew about this about this golf tournament was that Tiger Woods was playing and everybody was excited about Tiger Woods mm-hmm. playing and yeah. oh no smart. Furthermore, furthermore, and, and look like I didn't even bet I didn't even find a market like like I said my outs didn't even have him no to make the cut. I know my one of my betting partners bet him no to make the cut and got like thirty cents of closing line value and of course lost yeah. and so. Like I, I'm just lucky the markets that they offered me gave you know other than the Finau loss in the in the second round, um, the again like I don't know anything about this market but I do I did know like I thought Woods might have been a little overvalued and there was that one picture where they had like basically I think it was like the probability of making the cut per somebody's model and then the DraftKings mm-hmm. price for the player mm-hmm. and Woods mm-hmm. and it was like basically like a linear a straight line yeah. and and Tiger was like you know, high price, relatively low probability of making the cut relative to his price. And again, it's just, I guess sports betting is all about finding those mismatches. Um, and yeah, although know. I, w- I guess not to get too technical here, but I'd be very curious how that model priced tiger because obviously he hasn't played in a very long time. Right. And mm-hmm you're using, I'm assuming, a lot of things that look at recent performance, um, that look at world golf ranking. And so the fact that he hasn't played, obviously, you know, you could have guys that are, so, you know, you think about the model learning from data, right? The model is learning from a lot of players who are playing up until the masters, who are yeah. low in the world golf rankings because they're playing poorly, right? There was no, there was no real good data on Tiger. So I would actually push back on like, 
you knew it was a bad price. I think there was just not a lot of information on him, except for what you were hearing coming out of practice rounds, which was he's actually like playing pretty well, and it's the walking that's getting to him. So I think you could have made a, a pretty strong case that he was probably going to play worse as the weekend went on, uh, as the week went on, and that's exactly what happened. Um, by the way, right now, just to let you know where we're at, we're on hole number five. I, I took um, a little Cameron Smith, the Aussie. He was uh, three strokes back to start. I took him plus 350 before um, uh, the round started, and uh, he <laughs> got off to a birdie birdie start and has since gone bogey bogey. So uh, not not great. I have a little Scheffler from a long, long time ago that will like bring me back to even on the tournament because obviously for for the um, for the people I went um, I bet on Tiger. Um, before we get started you are, you, with you are a man of the people i am a man um, of the people if nothing else my my uh formula one so formula one was in australia this weekend and i was traveling on thursday friday and saturday so like i had no idea what was going on i like got bets in last night and it was the first time i haven't bet on the winner i had max for stopping uh and he didn't even finish the freaking race um so not not the greatest day for me i'm gonna probably like barely break um even here but uh, before we get into the USFL picks, reminder, go to pff.com and get 25% off with promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. That's on either subscription. So you get you can unlock all of PFF's great article content. With the Edge subscription, you get the PFF NFL Draft Guide, PFF Draft Rankings, all of that great stuff that you need, that you absolutely need for the draft. And if you're planning on using your pff subscription in the next season that means you want all the great betting tools that we have including our player props tool our best bets tool and of course our betting dashboards with um, our model results for spread total and money line and that comes with an elite subscription so go to pff.com get it for a full year and it'll roll you through all the way to next spring it's a fantastic deal so go make it happen at pff.com usfl it's starting up we talked a little bit about how we might create a model for that last year and now the spreads are up so um take us through it what are your um what are your favorites maybe go game by game here yeah so the 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 numbers were released yesterday by fox bet um Ooh. and basically every single uh, it was an, an absolute egregious um display of of, of bookmaking like um you know, let me let me the actually box pull... that. No. Yes. So, um, and granted, like the 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 max bet was something like twenty dollars. So maybe that's what they were, you know, sort of working with. Um, but let's look at initial initial markets here had every single point spread at one and a half. Now they had different different juice, um, but the totals were in the General Stallions game, which is Saturday night uh next week 55 that's and a half. new jersey generals Birmingham new jersey generals Stallions. yeah new jersey generals by the way of herschel walker donald trump doug flutie fame in the 80s um birmingham stallions that was 55 and a half houston gamblers michigan panthers was michigan panthers anthony carter bobby a bear houston gamblers was jim kelly back in the 80s and then that was uh 53.3 Philadelphia Stars of uh, Carl Peterson, the former GM of the Chiefs, was the GM of the Philadelphia Stars. And New Orleans Breakers, that was 53 and a half. And then Tampa Bay Bandits, a team that signed our boss, Chris Collinsworth, to a contract in the 80s before the league folded. Um, 
and, and the Pittsburgh Maulers, uh, 56 and a half. Now, if anybody had followed along at any alt league in forever, knew that this was exactly what happened with all of them, right? Uh, the AAF week one, 2019, opened all their totals in the 50s. This was after an NFL season where, uh, you know, totals shot up 2018. The average total was like 48 and a half. And so the league hung, and literally every single week of that league, um, 75, every single week, 75% of the under hits. So three out of every four games, the under hits. And by the end of the league, it was like 35 and a half was the average total, more or less. And, and then the XFL, now the XFL had some better rules, right? You had the three point conversion, you had the end of clock, uh, end of half clock stuff. Um, the XFL was a lot better product than the AF. The AF, AF was just like bad NFL with no kickoffs and no two-point conversions. Or no, sorry, no PATs. But again, those ones, the unders were, were fairly solid. These numbers now, because they've been opened up on BetMGM, this is the, one of the things I'm going to bet when I get back to Indiana tomorrow, um, or, you know, it is, is now these numbers, if you look at the totals, the last time I've checked, which, which are up there, New Jersey, 46 and a half. Houston, 44 and a half. Philadelphia, 45 and a half. Tampa, 45 and a half. So basically, if you were one of the first people that got small limit bets down on Fox Bet when they opened, you got 10 points of closing line value on the totals wow. in some of these cases. So a, a very egregious uh, open, you know, opening line there. And probably, George, a, a look into why a lot of these books that aren't sharp, like, in, in, let's be honest, Foxbet is more of a copier than anything. Like, why these books don't like to be the first uh, to, to p post lines, because oftentimes, you know, uh, their process is bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bad process at um, certain books is an absolute a guarantee, if you will. Um, I... I am very curious to see how this first week of the USFL goes. Um, I know Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarlane, um, who do the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, are getting into it. Um, and we'll be talking a lot about like how players are being utilized. And I'm sure there'll be a huge edge there from a DFS perspective. So I'd check out their podcast and their content as well. Like, if you if you want to bet are you if you're willing to bet things that maybe you wouldn't normally watch like the usfl is for you i can't bring myself to do it because like i'm i just can't bring myself to watch the usfl and spending time on like betting it without watching it is a is against my religion but I just, i'm not asking people to follow my religious preferences eric so i fully endorse everything well, you, you're i mean <laughs> you're you're just like a you're you like you have more eclectic tastes, right? So I, I is have eclectic the right word, or am I or am I just uh, an uppity? No, no, like you Stop. like Formula One, you like golf, you like the five. I'm gonna you, bet the NBA playoffs. You you work out twice a day. I work out twice <laughs> a day now too. You but, do too now. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we we've talked about this. This was a um, this was a recommendation a long long time ago, and you stuck with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody commented when I was on. Yeah. Um, somebody asked if, if hungry was like a, a black shirt because I am looking a little thinner. Um, but mm. um, but not. I, I would still say don't wait. Wait until the journey has commenced before before giving me any sort of uh, but or 
concluded before giving me any sort of pats on the back the, here. The, ju- I don't the journey, them. the journey to, to fitness, Eric, never ends. True. Never that, ends. That, that In is, fact, yeah. I'll let the people know right now that I am considering considering some radical changes to um, the way I'm the way I'm working out. But I won't talk. I, once I figure it out, I'll let everyone know what I'm. Well, you're, you you uh, your your issue is never not is never doing it. It's always whether or not it gets stale. Um, exactly. So, uh, but like, I also just think like you like, I mean, you like football. Like, I think obviously football is your job and, and it's one of your hobbies, but like it's, it, ha- it holds a different place for you than I think it does. Like, I think you're like, we're, you're, you're much more normal than somebody like I, am. <laughs> you know? So that, like that, that is a not true. That that's completely false. Um, <laughs> you, um, I think the way that I would put it is that you are a football purist and your love for the game is like, it is, um, it just runs deep. I don't know. I would, I'm watching like golf is on right now and I liken it to some of the ways that you hear golf analysts talk about the game of golf where it's like, they just love it way too much. And the way they talk about it is a little uh, nauseating and they would, um, they remind me of you and the way you talk about the USFL who, okay. Let me ask you this. Um, just, just for the education of our listeners here, give me like one thing to know about the players on, on these teams. Like what, like what, what, what is it that like someone betting, um, Birmingham minus two, for example, like what do they need to know about Birmingham to bet them minus two? Yeah, by the way, the, the first three games, so the Friday night game and then and the two early Saturday games are all plus two and a half. Um, there's no home field advantage, so just remember that. Birmingham is minus two and a half. Michigan is minus two and a half. New Orleans minus two and a half. Interestingly, I we made the games minus two, minus one, minus two. So we're a little bit shading the underdog in all those games. And then the final game, Tampa Bay is plus is minus three and a half against Pittsburgh. We made Tampa Bay minus three. So in my opinion, like I think maybe Pittsburgh plus three and a half is a value. Three is not going to be worth, it's going to be worth something different in this league because of the one, two and three point conversions. Um, field goal kickers aren't quite as good, obviously, but offenses aren't quite as good. So they may have to settle for more field goals. So that's just something to think about. Every single one of these plus two and a half, so like, uh, I know right now, cause you know, my betting partner, Ben was like, he was like, Hey, uh, you know, I don't see any, any, uh, teasers available yet. I would, because of the totals in this league, mm-hmm. I would tease all the two and a half, eight and a half. I know that eight and a half, eight, seven and eight are going to be less meaningful because of the conversions, but like the scoring is being lower is going to mean more. So, um, I, yeah. So to answer, so here's the thing. There are some coaches you've heard about. Um, Todd Haley, the former uh, uh, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, offensive mm-hmm. coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals that took him to the Super Bowl, and, and uh, Pittsburgh Steelers with our friend Bruce. He's the Tampa Bay Bandits uh, head coach. Jeff Fisher, uh, uh, formerly of the Houston Oilers, Houston, uh, Tennessee Oilers and Tennessee Titans, L.A. Rams fame. He's the coach of the Michigan Panthers. Um, and then you have um, <laughs> Kirby Wilson, Mike Riley, uh, are two of the coaches as well. Kirby Wilson, the former running backs coach for the Vikings. Mike Riley, the former head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, among other places. Kevin Sumlin, the Houston Gamblers head coach, uh, it, it you know was formerly of Arizona. Um, the the, the uh, uh, yeah Arizona out in out west uh, in college football. 
the the quarterbacks um you know you have you i think you have some stars here jordan tiamu i think is the real reason the tampa bay bandits are the favorites to win the championship uh, he was very good in the xfl uh he was quite good for i believe Ole miss um you also have kyle sloter uh, of northern colorado yeah. fame he is the new orleans breakers quarterback he was a very good preseason quarterback for the minnesota vikings for a few years um those are two guys that I have positively graded. You also have Paxton Lynch, who was not the first quarterback taken by the Michigan Panthers, but he was one of them, um, the first, a former first-round pick of the Memphis, uh, out of Memphis by the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's one of the quarterbacks. A few other names that people could listen to, your favorite, Kyle Laletta out of Richmond. Uh, he's on the Pittsburgh Maulers. Shea Patterson was the first overall pick in the XFL draft. Uh, Michigan Panthers. He was uh, obviously Ole Miss and Michigan. Um, Case Cookus from Northern Carol Northern Arizona. He's the Phil he's with the Philadelphia Stars, and th those are the I, I think the big ones there. Um, none of them, by the way, I make more than two and a half points better than the average quarterback on a new uh, you know uh, over replacement. So mm -hmm. again, these are kind of like where I I, I sort of make the rankings um, that that go in and you know the point spreads I just told you. Um, but there, there is differences between some of these quarterbacks for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I would just fade Paxton Lynch. Um, also, have we, like, Shea Patterson being the number one overall pick, was that, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I wouldn't have expected that, I guess. Uh, I, would, I mean, I guess they all kind of stink. But I, I would have thought Jordan Tamu would be the number one pick. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of this, so with these leagues, right? And and I think this is different because I'm not the biggest college football fan. I like betting college football, but I'm not a, like, I don't have any sort of like, I don't have any feelings towards college, play, you know, old college players that used to play for my favorite team because I really don't have one. Um, and neither do you really, right? So like, that's going to be, I think, some of the draw here is like this year they're all playing in Birmingham because of the pandemic, but like right. eventually they're all going to play in their home cities, right? And so if you have some sort of connection with the player, so I know like Trent Richardson, he played for Birmingham, you know, in the AAF, right, well that, right. you know, he played for Alabama. So there, the, the Shea Patterson thing is a Michigan Wolverine playing for the Michigan Panthers type thing uh, that I think is, is sort of the, the deal there. Um, there's going to be a little bit more. Um, interestingly, Brian Scott of the, of the Philadelphia Stars uh, went to college, uh, a familiar college to you being, from LA, Occidental College, which if wow. people remember is where you know Barack Obama, Barack oh, Obama go. went for the first two years of his uh, of his uh, college career before he went to uh, Columbia. So, um, pretty pretty funny there. Um, and, and even then, some of those Division two, II, Division three quarterbacks we don't have full data sets for. That was way more time than we budgeted for the USFL. So if you're a USFL fan, you're welcome. If not, hopefully you skipped ahead to this. And uh, that is the NFC South coming up as soon as we tell you to make sure that you prepare yourself. I've been trying to prepare you guys for summer for a while now. Okay, hopefully you've gotten on the two uh, workouts a day, one meal a day train, and uh, you are ready to go. Um, if you need that little extra push to make sure that you are in good shape for summer, go to manscaped.com, use promo code PFF, get 20% off plus free shipping and get yourself well-groomed from head to toe with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Um, it will make sure that you're sleek, smooth, smelling good and moisturized 
all the way through the summer. That includes, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. Um, has ceramic blade and skin safe technology. Make sure that there will be no nicks or snags. Because if you get one of those, it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, not pretty. Um, includes, of course, uh, the weed whacker. Uh, what what was the weed whacker? Nose and ear hair trimmer. Because yes, hair grows there too. And um, I've heard rumors of the inclusion of everything from shampoo and conditioner, body wash and moisturizer for after you dry yourself off. So go to manscaped.com, use promo code PFF, get 20% off plus free shipping and turn yourself into a first round pick this summer. I don't even know why I said that. Oh, love that, love that. Yeah, thanks. I'm gonna be Um, more of a sleeper, but, 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 you know. (laughs) No, you you were a sleeper, yeah, you were a sleeper and now you're gonna be a first round pick. The NFC South, let's start with the New Orleans Saints. And the reason we'll start with the New Orleans Saints is because they um, made a, a trade recently that um, was fairly Saintsian, if you will, because they continue to trade up in the NFL draft. The Saints traded uh, for the 16th pick from the Philadelphia Eagles um, and also got the uh, 19th pick and the number 194th pick, and they traded away pick number 18, pick number 101, pick number 237, a first in 2023, and a second in 2024. Um, at first, like everything makes sense about this trade in terms of both teams doing what you would expect them to do. What do you think it tells you about the Saints? Uh, well, and, and this was a great, uh, I, I was listening to this podcast before we got on air, uh, with with Jason, Jason was far more apoplectic about this. Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap, yeah. uh, far more apoplectic about this than than I would have been. But I, I get where he's coming from. This is a Saints team that uh, you look at, you, you survey the league, right? You look at mm-hmm. where the league is right now. Um, and, and interestingly, I can't look up their win total on DraftKings because DraftKings is not allowed in, in, in Hungary. Uh, so I was so I was going to mention it after it's eight. Yeah. So so this is a team an eight for a win total. They're behind some teams like Minnesota, Arizona, Philadelphia, right? Like that's kind of where they're nestled in. They're right behind there. So they're certainly like they were last season at the end, a stone's throw away from the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And they look at the NFC and say, wow, if a few things turn over, okay. Let's say they get a 30-touchdown season for Jameis Winston. Let's say they get a healthy season for Michael Thomas. Let's say Marshawn Lattimore continues to be, like, you know, a very good corner, and they get some stuff from Marcus Davenport and Cameron Jordan and, and Demario Davis, and, like, everything works out okay for them. Like, they could be a playoff team, and uh, I think that they're really buying in. And, and Saints fans, by the way, Big time on Dennis Allen, less so on Sean Payton. I'm I'm sort of a little bearish on where on what they'll be able to do without Payton. Um, Kamara, of course, a superstar as well at the running back position. So they they think that they're they're able to do it. Um, and instead of being able to afford an impact player, I think what they're saying is, look, the only way that we can get impact players for 2021, uh, 22, I'm sorry, is to draft them high. Right. So they're mm-hmm. they're going to send, you know, a first round pick next year and a second round pick the following year to the Eagles for the opportunity to take not one, but two players who are uh, 
right away contributors that they think of as like free agents. They, they think are going to be right away contributors. Exactly. So like that that has to be you know if you're trying to reverse engineer where they're coming from that has to be what they're thinking right now. Um, there's also and it's weird, right? Like we have not seen this. We saw you know the Niners move up to pick three last mm. year, right around this time ish, right? And um, we the, Zach Wilson was such a favorite to go second overall that it wasn't really a blind trade up, right? It was trading up to either take Fields, Lance, or, or Mac Jones, right? Like that was pr- pretty much the narrative. The Jets traded up to three a cup uh, in 2018 kind of to take Baker Mayfield, right? And then ultimately Baker Mayfield, instead of being the second quarterback taken or the third quarterback taken, was surprisingly the first quarterback taken. So they ended up with Darnold, right? That's kind of the last like blind trade-up we've seen. Um, if I guess you could also count the Dolphins last year trading back to six after they traded with the Niners. This is remarkable, though, because 16 and 19, so many things can happen. That are you even if you're the Saints, are you even assured getting a player that you actually think that you actually want? Well, okay, so th- this is this is I was trying to figure out the logic to this because in any draft, it, you know, you pick last year maybe as an example, I could I could see it, and the reason I could see it was that was a better draft class. I am really interested in what they are looking to achieve here because if you look at their team i think it's pretty clear that they need some receivers i know they're going to get michael thomas back i'm not totally sure what that's going to actually mean i think there's a lot of question around what is michael thomas like you know can is he going to be healthy um is he uh, how good of a receiver is he when the guy throwing the football is not is not you know Drew Brees and it's it's um, Jameis Winston, but like they're you know pretty bereft of talent past him, so it would make sense for them to go get a wide receiver. It would make a lot of sense for them to go get a guy like Jameson Williams, a really fast guy who can get down the football field to complement Michael Thomas, who's more of a um, inter- intermediate catcher of the football. I don't know if he's going to be there at 16, right? They clearly can't know that he's going to be there at 16. Maybe they have some belief that he will be. But overall, this is not like the, the strongest draft class out there. But I wonder if one of the reasons that they've made this decision is they think that the tackle class is really strong. And they believe that there will be a tackle there that they want to get. They obviously lost to Ron Armstead this year, and that is a priority for them. And they know, look, with Jameis Winston, if we don't have a decent offensive line, we're going to be in trouble. And, you know, he's going to turn the ball over a bunch if that's the case. And we can't have that happen. So that's one kind of thought there. It's like, okay, we need a, a tackle. But why the other pick? You know, why, why do they need to get that other pick? And I'm wondering, Eric, if they feel that, that one of these quarterbacks is a guy that they should take a, a chance on. And the reason for that, okay, they have Jameis Winston. He's a risky bet, right? But he's also on a contract that is not prohibitive. What do we know about the Saints? They have a lot of players that are paying a lot of money, right? And you are not going to be competitive unless you get top-tier quarterback play at a discount, right? So let's say that Jameis Winston is terrible. Well, if Jameis Winston is terrible, then they're going to be a bad team spending a lot of money on good players. 
And why would you not have a rookie to then put in who potentially could be really good? The other thing here is, what if Jameis Winston actually is very, very good, but then you know you're not going to be able to afford him, and you know, so you, you want a younger guy back there. That was the only way that I could kind of think through their logic, is that there was a quarterback that they liked. Overall, though, I, I do think this is a, a nice trade for the Eagles, obviously. Like, the potential here for them to get that those extra picks um, in addition to, I mean, you're going to have the same number of first-round picks over the course of the next two years, but you're picking up um, an additional uh, second and then a third round pick, um, which obviously for a team that's building can be valuable. So that, that was the only way I could think about it from a Saints perspective. Well, and, and this is where like the people who try to say that the salary cap is fake or whatever, like it, it, you know, the Saints this year have only two players with a cap hit over $9 million. Um, that's Michael Thomas at 13 and Cameron Jordan at about a little under 12 and a half. The problem is, is, you know, if you look at the dead money charges pre-June 1, if you cut, you know, Michael Thomas is $38 million, Cameron Jordan, $34 million, Marshawn Lattimore, $52 million, Ryan Ranchek, $48 million, Andres Pete, $24.5 million, David Anyamata, $15.9 million, Calvin Kamara with a cut is $32 million almost. Uh, you even get down to Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, if cut, it carries a dead cap. Uh, for this particular year of almost $29 million, which Worth means it. when you get to next year, all those conversions add up to this. Michael Thomas's cap numbers, $28.2 million. Michael Thomas has played, what, four games the last two years? Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're, pl- you're not only committed to having him on the team now, you're committed to having him on the team next year, right? That's, right. That is an extremely bad gamble, right? Like, a, a, even as good as Thomas has been, Jordan, $26 million. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore's cap hit next year, $22 million. Ryan Ramchuk's $21 million. Andres Pete, $18 million. Anyamata, $10 million. Kamara, $16 million. Demario Davis, $13 million. Taysom Hill's cap hit next year, $13.9 million. So, and, and even if you look at Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston's another guy. I believe next year they can get out from under. Um, but it, it's, it's still cheaper to keep him than to cut him next year. So... It's it's just remarkable that that what this team has done as far as where they put themselves up against, and it's not necessarily having a bad team. It's just you're committed now to players who you you're committed to players like Michael Thomas for better or worse, and that just is a lack of freedom. And so I think what they're trying to do here is give themselves you know some sort of new blood, but the only way that they can, which is again to you know, t- they've taken a bunch of money from the future and said, mm. this is what we're going to do now. And now they're taking a bunch of draft capital from the future and saying, this is what we're going to be now. The Eagles did a great job here, in my opinion, just because they're spreading out the Jalen Hurts. Like, I actually think for the Eagles, and I, I, I tweeted this out the other day, I said, every single team that picks a quarterback before the Eagles makes the Eagles better, right? Because, mm. and that includes the Saints. And I think it's one of the reasons why they did this. If the Saints want a quarterback and they're packaging players up to do this, then that benefits the Eagles because the Eagles are going to get a better position player for a draft that they clearly believe the quarterbacks aren't very good in, right? Um, And and so they're just going to continue to build around Jalen Hurts and find out definitively whether or not he can be the guy and then next year have extra ammunition in case they want to get a quarterback uh, should Jalen Hurts not be the guy. So... For for me, it's it's a it's a very good one for the Eagles. It makes a lot of sense 
uh, you know, what they did. And, and they're really taking advantage of what Richard Thaler and, and uh, Kate Massey studied, you know, 15 years ago, which was that we're, you know, the, the discount value for, for future picks is just way too, is just way too high in the NFL for some teams. The, okay, so all that context there, win total of eight, over or under for the New Orleans Saints? Uh, if I had to, to make a bet, I would, um, I, I would take under. And like, this is my, ma- my major thesis about this is just, I, I just don't believe that we are, we are pricing in. I mean, did you like, so gun to your head. George, mm-hmm. what was the what was Taysom Hill's record as a starter last year? Gun to your head. Uh, how many games did he play? Five. Th- was it four and one, three and two? He was four and one last year yeah. as a starter. They've started Taysom Hill in nine games in the last few years, and he they've won seven of them at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, Sean, yeah. and that is with. And, and, and Jameis was 5-2, and two, like Trevor Simeon kept them competitive in a lot of games and so on and so on, whatever, right? There was that one under that we had, <laughs> remember that uh, yep. at lock of the week under that barely hit, and uh, you know, Simeon was actually okay in that game. Sean Payton, I mean, they were throwing to Marquez Callaway and who last year? Like, Camara was hurt for a great deal of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive line is always going to be good for them. Even I think with all Armstead, they'll be fine. But Peyton, like everybody, you know, and, and again, I said this about their win total. I said, you know, I think we're all underrating Peyton. And everybody's like, well, no, Dennis Allen's the better coach. I'm like, Dennis Allen's got like really good football that. players I don't understand on the, all. the whole defense, right? Like, and, and I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying are, are, that team got to nine and eight last year with no offensive weapons for much of the season. And we're we're expecting Sean Payton to go and for this thing to to do well. Like, it, does that compute for you? Other than Carolina and Atlanta being clearly bad, that could be three four wins in and of itself. But other than that, like, what does this team have going for it? Other than defense, which which we know is you know a very oscillatory thing. I agree with all of your points. I would go over. The reason I would go over is less about the Saints and more about the Panthers and Falcons being two of the like five worst teams in the NFL. I mean, they are going to be awful, absolutely Horrendous, yeah. awful. And I th- so here's here's where I will both agree with you on the Sean Payton thing, but also kind of see where maybe the people who are bullish, you know, it makes some sense. The continuity, you know, generally you bring in a new coach. It's like, it's kind of the same thing with Tampa Bay. We're going to talk about here, right? You're, you're t- it's different because Bruce Arians isn't Sean Payton, but like they're not bringing in a guy that no one has known before. And there is going to be some continuity there. Certainly continuity for the defense, but continuity from like a team perspective around who's the leader of the team, both as the head coach and as the quarterback. And I think... I think that this team really likes Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, to your point, his top targets on third down, under pressure, and versus blitz were a guy named Marquez Callaway. I'm sorry, but like, are you kidding me? I mean, if if there was if I mean Tom Brady hasn't had that bad of a top target since um, 
since the year where where uh, it all fell apart in in New England. That's the only only time. I mean, you know, so so this was a really horrid situation. His top target in the red zone was Alvin Kamara, um, and yet had nearly an 80 PFF grade. Here's where I'm a little concerned. Percentage of of uh, pressure dropbacks taking a sack was below league average at just 14%. Really good for Jameis last year. But he held on the ball for 3.1 seconds. And I'm a little concerned that without a guy like Teron Armstead, that, that O-line gets a little bit weaker. Um, and look, he, he, you know, he has a, a high negative throw rate. That's something that is generally consistent from season to season. He needs to have a lot of opportunities to make big-time throws uh, sorry, I said almost 80, almost 75 PFF grade last year. He needs those opportunities. But against two teams in the division being that poor with a coach that even though he's different is one that I believe that the players are excited to play for. And with regression positively, there's no way the receiving core can get worse, right? So maybe they take a receiver. They also get Michael Thomas back. Like, those are things that matter. Taysom Hill now full-time tight end. I mean, God only knows now that he's dedicating his time to being a tight end how good he's going to be. Um, those things all improve a little bit. I'm going do you know who the back? Eight. Do you know who the real backup is for the Saints right now? Who? The Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, wow. too. So, so look, like, I – okay. Uh, our, our simulation does have 8.3, but we uh, the coaching stuff is factored in, but – like it was sort of more of an editorial decision. I will go against you here, but I like all the points you made. Like the I I'm as pro Jameis, you know, Jameis, you know, uh, six turnover worthy plays in seven starts. Like that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good start for him. That that was uh, good. I, let me just say this though, and this is where, this is where I think that PFF data is so useful. And you, you can get all of this, by the way, in the quarterback annual, 25% off, promo code forecast. So turnover-worthy plays, to your point, was better than league average. But we know that big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays are more volatile than positive uh, yep. throw rate and negative throw rate. His negatively graded play rate was one of the highest in the NFL. Yeah. He's always going to be that quarterback. He's always going to be that guy. So it's like... You either put him in a position. I, I honestly think it's not too dissimilar from the like Carson Palmer Cardinals situations where it's like, can we just put him in an offense where there's enough opportunities to make those great throws? That Because he can. He can make those yeah. and he will make those. You just have to have an offense. And I guess that's your point where it's like, hey, without Sean Payton, how confident can we be that those are going to show up? And I think it's a really good point. I, I, I really do. Because you look at – one one last point about him, because when you look at, you know, you know 26% of his throws were play action. He was 10.3 yards per an attempt. No turnover-worthy plays on play action last year. And the 3.1, you know, time to throw, it was 3.3 with, with play action. So, like, I, I think some of the stuff with Jameis is schemed, and we all know, like, what can happen to Jameis when the scheme is not – you know, when when the person doesn't go out of their way to make Jameis look good, it, it can it can be it can get ugly. But like you said, that the schedule there. What what's the next team that we're going to talk about? With, we're going to save there? we're going to save the Bucks for last, and we're going to yeah. move quickly through the Falcons and the Panthers. Let's go with the Falcons. By the way, for anyone who hasn't listened to the last few episodes and thinks we're still pro Falcons, 
This is the Fade the Atlanta Falcons podcast. We have never been more staunchly opposed to a particular organization than we are this year with the Atlanta Falcons. We have moved from the Falcon, the bird. We, we have picked the Falcons as our bird of choice for a while. No longer. We are Ravens and Eagles now. Um, Falcons under five is minus 120. Over five <laughs> is plus 100. That says something in and of itself. Um, let's make this short and quick because this team doesn't deserve a lot of our time. Are you going over or under five? Our number is 6.3. So I think with the math, it'd have to be over. But I, this is where I'm going to respect the market and say I'm going to lay off because or, or go under because I, this team is terrible. This team is horrendous. There's, no, there's nothing redeemable about this team. I mean, this is... This is where the tank variable has to come in, right? Like, yeah, I might have to make the tank variable. So I, I put the tank variable between zero and one for teams, and like mm -hmm. teams that I think are just tanking because, like, I call it a natural tank. Like this Falcons team, it might have to be one point five because I think this, this is team not, is tanking. This is on nothing purpose. natural about this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an absolute catastrophe. Um, do you it's think terrible. that Marcus Mariota is legitimately going to be their starting quarterback this year? Uh, dude, I, think about how poverty this is. Mariota signed with the Falcons presumably because he has experience with Arthur Smith. The presumably. one year that yeah. I don't understand, I still don't really get that. But okay, yeah, because the year that that the year that Marcus Mariota played for Arthur Smith in 2019, he started six games, went two and four as a starter, less than 60 percent completion, seven touchdowns, two picks, 7.5 yards per attempt, which is actually pretty good. But of course, like Tannehill takes over for him and gets like two yards on that number, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and five touch, five big time throws, eight turnover worthy plays. Um, he took uh, he took twenty five sacks. Did Mariota in six starts for the twenty nineteen Tennessee Titans? Um, this is going to be horrendous. Like this offensive line is trash. I know some of their their first round picks from twenty nineteen are at least getting better where like there's a question yeah, like, of whether like they'll get Lindstrom, the option like Lindstrom yeah. played decently but like Matthews and McGarry are both uh, McGarry was the 59th graded tackle out of 83 yeah last year which on is the just right an side. improvement which is improvement for him. yeah it's an improvement but like to your point like Mariota's always been a guy that's held on to the ball for a while I this offense is going to suck out loud and if they get if they draft a quarterback that poor that poor poor man like, I don't know, man. I feel bad for Kyle Pitts. I, A.J. Terrell deserves a mention here. He's playing on a defense with no one really good, although they picked up Casey Hayward Jr., who's played really, really well for the, the Chargers uh, and the Raiders um, previously. They don't have a and, pass rush. They yeah, I mean, they it, don't have a pass rush. They, they have Deion Jones, a linebacker, who I've always thought, like, Deion Jones is a very talented football player. I don't know if the production has ever met the talent level. Um, Safety's going to struggle. Injuries. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's really Grady Jarrett's good, but th he's getting is, older. This is really like the offense and the defense are about one player and one player only, respectively. AJ Terrell, who was our second highest graded corner last season, and was absolutely amazing. I mean, just he was so 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 good. And Kyle Pitts, who. Everyone, you know, very worried about how a rookie tight end was going to do. Fifth highest graded um, tight end last season. So, like, both these guys are really good. And, I'm, you know, it sucks that they're both going to be playing on this terrible team. Um, I am going under as well if I had to. Although, 
there's really just nothing you could do to make me want to even remotely come close to watching an Atlanta Falcons game, which means we are moving on to the Carolina Panthers, who are only like one tiny, minuscule, infinitesimally small rung above the Falcons. Their win total is at six, minus 110 on both sides. The Art Smock just doing, it's, 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 um, it's, art, the, it's the art, art The art that he's putting together is what you get from like your middle of the class, like second grader who just, you know, there's no respect for the lines. It, you can't really call it abstract. It's just a complete nightmare. What are you doing with the Panthers over or under six? Uh, we make Carolina actually with less wins than Atlanta at 6.17. So I guess, again, this one's going to be of the natural ilk, but like, I'm going to take rule first coach fired. I'm going to take, you know, under here. Um, you know, th- this is, th- they're in a precarious position even th- at the end of this month, right? The smart move for them would be to trade the pick six, right? To mm-hmm. whoever wants to come up and get Malik Willis, should he fall? Or Kenny Pickett, should Malik you, Willis go? Like, you, let's also, say two to- you also can't take a quarterback at pick six and think that he's going to do well. I mean, you know, well, because like, because the Panthers don't because of the Darnold trades, like they don't have a second or third round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So it. like, right? So so they really don't like this is this is a mess, right? So I I would if you know I would trade back if I'm them. The problem is is like their their incentive to trade back is is almost non-existent because the, you know like they need impact players right now. And they need to win game. I mean, they need another three and zero start to get everybody off their back again, right? And um, th- you know, they're probably thinking if we trade, let's say, let's say they make a trade with Pittsburgh and get pick twenty, and let's say another, you know, a second or third round pick this year and a first next year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that would actually be the haul, but like that would obviously make the Panthers better, but not maybe not immediately. And this team needs immediate results from their coaching staff. And they have some talented players. Um, but yeah, they're not like the Falcons in that regard. Yeah, when your quarterback is 36th in PFF grade out of 37, it doesn't really matter how talented the players are around you. And I should say this about Sam Donald. Yes, the offensive line was really not good. And I'll tell you how really not good it was. Center, left guard, left tackle, all bottom seven graded at their position. Not great. But you have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson, Tommy Tremble is legit. Um, uh, even though I don't, he didn't grade particularly well last year, if memory serves. But like he's a, he's a player that I think you know can end up being a, a good tight end, six four, like two forty, athlete. You have Christian McCaffrey, who like even though he's overpaid, is still a really good athlete and hopefully can can run some some routes for you. I know he was injured last year, Chuba Hubbard. Um, did did really well in his stead. You have J.C. Horn, you have Jeremy Chin um, back there. You have um, uh, Mr. Brian Burns. Like, there's some talent on this team, and Sam Donald is so bad that it doesn't matter. I yeah, he, it, he, the reason I think they're staying at six is that I just don't think that there's a chance that Matt Rule wants to go down with the Sam Donald ship. Right, so I have to imagine they're staying at six. They're taking a rookie, and I kind of think it. It'll probably 
it'll have to be Kenny Pickett, I think, because I think Malik Willis is going higher than that. So I don't know. I think Malik Willis is maybe the, the quarterback that you would think would have the best chance because that offensive line is not going to be good. Um, out of out of principle on like how bad this team has been, if I had to bet, and this is not one of my particularly favorites, but I, I would go under six. I just yeah. think they suck. Uh, the most remarkable thing about the Panthers last year is that Stephon Gilmore made the Pro Bowl. That is, I, I, yeah, I saw him in a Pro Bowl uniform in a in an ad, and I'm like, he played nine games and he made the Pro Bowl for that team. That that shows you the uh, yeah, the, the Pro lack Bowl. Pro Bowl is not not the lack of cachet that is the Pro Bowl and the utter lack of anything meaningful uh, to happen to the Panthers, who brought back Cam Newton. Started him for a handful of games and yeah. were and were dreadful. Like uh, other than the, the the beating the Colt McCoy Cardinals on the road, you know there was really nothing uh, of of any note on that team. This is one where the players, if you put the Panthers players on the Falcons coaching staff, you might get six and a half wins. This this team has decent players. I just think the coaching staff has like. You know, this is the no, three-win coaching, the three or four-win coaching staff. Remember when they fired Joe Brady in the yeah. middle of the season last year? Uh, not not right before a bye. It was in the middle of their bye during the, when the games were going on on a Sunday. That was remarkable. Um, okay, so that leaves us with yes, it leaves the us with a, Bay. with a team worth discussing. The Bucks now the Todd oh. Bowles-led Bucks over or under eleven and a half minus one. 10. And actually, let me ask you this first. I don't know if we've talked about this in, in detail here. Do you think that Tom Brady wanted Bruce Arians to go? I I think so, but I don't think it was. And why? Well, I think it's pretty clear why. I mean, Arians seems like a wonderful person. Um, a very, you know, so, so here's how I view Arians. I think this sounds, this is like this podcast, right? Like, so you are like, I feel like you're like a lot more like Brady where like everything is very like, uh, regimented and very like, you know, and, and you're effective. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, okay. that's, I'll I, take, that's a huge compliment by the way. I, I'm very, I'm. I'm much more, and again, this is because I had OCD as a child, and like I, I literally like, you know, like went to therapy, and now I'm the exact opposite. But like, I, I think I'm much more like Arians, where I, from what I like, my life is very like random. You know, like I, I don't eat dinner at the same time every single day. I don't work out at the same time every day, and I would say I'm fairly effective at it. But I can imagine, and I know my wife is, like, people in my life find it annoying, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have two people at the at, at the top of an organization, and again, I'm not comparing you to Brady and me to Arians, but I'm just trying to, like, relate the material here. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't think they hated each other. I just think it was one of those things where it was sort of annoying for the two parties. Does that make sense? And there's enough... Brady had enough power to like leave, right? Or to make this a very tough season for them. And I think Arians also like Todd Bowles was a safety at Temple for Bruce Arians when Arians was mm-hmm. a head coach there. Um, 
Todd Bowles is his defensive coordinator in Arizona. Um, he got a broad deal with the Jets. Arians has, you know, two African-American uh, co-defensive coordinators now. Byron Leftwich, an African-American uh, offense coordinator. He has one of the first people in the history of the NFL to hire a woman to be an assistant coach on his staff. Um, so you I think, think both also, things are true? You think I think, it's, both thing, I think both things are true. I think Brady and Arians had had differences in how they approached football and mm-hmm. and it wasn't it obviously because they won a super bowl was not crippling right but it was just kind of like again you know do, does brady want to come back well i'd like to come back but maybe can we just kind of make it a little bit easier on me and be more type a okay mm-hmm. let, let's 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 get bruce out of here like again that sounds even like more of an affront that I think it just like kind of made sense for Arians to step aside and to give Todd Bowles a chance to have a successful uh, head coaching stint, to give Byron Leftwich an opportunity to get out from underneath Bruce Arians' shadow, because when he's underneath Brady and Arians, it's just never going to. Everybody's always going to have questions about him, much in the same way with Bienemy, with Reed and Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you give Leftwich a chance to be the the offensive coach face on that team. You give Todd Bowles, again, a very long history with Bruce Arians from a player to a, a uh, you know, to a, a, his assistant coach. You get all of those things. I don't think it's one of those where Bray, I, I just think it like all added up. I don't think it, any one thing was, was the reason any of these things happened. That's interesting. So if you also believe the reports that Brady was going to become a part owner of the Dolphins yes. and Blake quarterback as the Dolphins. And I mean, the reporting there, like, I don't know, man, I, I have I've come to the point where, like, if people are reporting those things that have, you know, any sense of like being right with, you know, like or, or not just like reporting on lies. Right. And. I think it was what there were two different sources that that reported it right one was uh-huh. ben volan and the other was was pro football talk if i remember correctly so you kind of imagine there's smoke there's fire there it kind of aligns where it's like okay that was brady's plan that gets fouled up by the, the brian flores thing so then brady comes back and says okay tampa bay i'm willing to come back Here's what I'd like to have happen. I'm willing to let you guys figure out how you want to do that before I, you know, kind of make that announcement. It all kind of lines up because it never really made sense for Brady to walk away. That thing was handled so weirdly. Um, And then the way that this happened, I mean, look, they did an amazing job. If, you know, the fact that, that Arians was able to talk about, okay, the reason I'm doing this is because you know, I want to put Todd Bowles in a position to win and yada, yada, yada. Like, that's awesome. And I, I believe that that was probably a motivating factor there. But I have a hard time imagining that he's actually doing that unless there's a little bit of a push. And maybe that, to your point, that little bit of a push made him kind of realize this is a great opportunity for me to do it this way. And I'm, you know, this is how I'm going to talk about it. Um, yeah, that, because... Because I guess the tough thing for me is you, you say, look, I'm putting Todd Bowles in a position to win. Let's be super honest here. If this team is successful, all of the credit is going to Tom Brady. 
Tom Brady is the offensive coordinator. He's the GM. He's basically the freaking owner, except that he, you know, clearly he actually wants his name as an owner. He, he doesn't have that with the, the Bucs. He wanted that with the, the Dolphins. Maybe he'll get that with the Niners next year. Who knows? But, like, that was the part that didn't make sense for me. It's like, oh, I'm putting Todd Bowles in a position to be, like, a great coach and, like, get credit for, like, being successful. The answer there is, like, no, that's not happening. So I do get it, but I but I also don't. Okay, that being said, 11.5, over or under. What are your thoughts? We make it 11.3. I actually, just as we were talking, um, because we we give the Bucks 17.6% chance to win the Super Bowl. Um, and... You know, right now you can get them at seven to one, seven to one break even is twelve point five percent. So we make Buffalo and Tampa Bay actually again with not dynamic updating, but I still think this makes sense. I, I'm I'm gonna I would either bet over or leave it alone, and I would also bet Tampa Bay at seven to one or better to win the Super Bowl. Like I, I think that this is a team I think the NFC is really ripe. For the picking, and I know Tampa Bay has lost some players, but I think that they've atri- atrophied less than every other elite team in the in the conference. And you know what were we saying in January of 2021? I was saying, look, I think there's a big mismatch between Matt Lafleur and and Bruce Arians, and I thought mm-hmm. Matt Lafleur was better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, there's actually a fairly good chance that Arians because of early down running and like the, you know, the mandate there and then the, the fourth down decision stuff and all that kind of stuff. You think bulls can be better there? I think, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, like, I would say that or, my or maybe prior, you're saying that he does not even going to have a say. And that's kind my, of what my, I think. Yeah. My prior is that this, my prior is that this team from a coaching standpoint will be at, at least as good as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only problem for Tampa Bay is that Dennis Allen remains in uh, New Orleans, and that defense has been his yeah, absolute yeah, yeah. bugaboo. That's that's literally the only thing that that's holding him back here. I I'm going over as well. Um, this is um, this is going to be a little bit of a Brady fuck you season. Um, I'm coming back. Uh, I've been you know jilted by Adam Schefter and the the breaking news a little bit. That's going to be a little bit of a rub. There's also going to be a little bit, if you believe any of this stuff about Arians, like I'm going to prove that, 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 you know, I was the right person for the job, so to speak. And there's no better leader than Tom Brady. Like these guys are one of, if not the most talented team in the NFL, they're going to be fired the fuck up. They got unlucky last year. They got unlucky. They had the Tristan Wirfs injury, which was really hard to overcome. And I really think one of the reasons that Tom Brady and and Bruce Arians, like, I think this, and this is pure speculation. The Antonio Brown thing to me, I think plays a role. I think Antonio Brown's kind of crazy. But I also think Antonio Brown was probably banged up. And that Bruce Arians kind of was sick of, like, him towing the line Like, I don't think he ever did anything that was like, oh, yeah, we can kick him off for this. But I got to think that he towed the line. And I got to think Bruce Arians was looking for an opportunity, took the opportunity. And guess what? Antonio Brown was Tom Brady's favorite target. There's no disputing that. When he was on the field, he was his top target. I think that rubbed him a little bit the wrong way. So I think they have a more consistent receiving core. They're going to get Chris Godwin back. 
They're going to have Mike Evans. I think they're going to look to develop some of those other receivers. Um, so I'm going over here, and I, I like your Super Bowl pick as well. I mean, the NFC, like every other team got worse. Every other got, every other team got worse. The only yeah. team that might that might have gotten better that was in the hunt might be the Niners if if Trey Lance plays well, and that's a humongous if. So the yeah, Rams, I'm the Rams good. lost Von Miller. They lost Robert Woods. Um, picked up, you picked know. up. Uh, uh, Allen they Robinson, got they but, got Allen Robinson, and, but the Von Miller Wagner. loss is big. But the Von Miller loss is big, no doubt about yeah, it. And, and, and they no lose Seba- OBJ Sebastian Joseph, as well. Sebastian Joseph Day, OBJ. Um, you know the offensive line loses Whitworth. Um, they lose Kevin O'Connell on the offensive side of the ball, which whatever. I you know there, there's defections there. I like they've had defections before, and, and McVeigh has done uh, yeoman's work there uh, to to keep it from that. But but it, it is what it is, right? So. Um, that is, you know, like I said, I think Tampa, you know, they lose, they lose some players for sure. Um, but, uh, I think that they'll still be, I think they'll still be pretty, pretty damn good. That was the NFC South. We have, as I believe, uh, a little ball sack or just whack this weekend. Yeah. I mean, look, even though I'm overseas, even though I've been, you know, uh, burning the midnight oil, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I still got some for you. Um, okay. Here, here's a quote from Max Kellerman. He says, the Tiger Woods is not an elite athlete. I don't know how fast he runs. Ball sack or just whack? Um, this, I think that this is like half and half. Like this is undoubtedly a Max Kellerman-like take. But he, I don't think, is t- is stupid enough to use the how fast he runs. I want to say that Max Kellerman does a show in the morning on ESPN. It's really early in the morning. The only reason I know this is because I wake up too early. Um, and it's like I, whenever I accidentally turn it on, I immediately turn it off because it's just filled with completely complete lunacy. I'm going to say this is ball sack, but there's a twinge of truth to it. It is just whack. Awful announcing. No way. That's actually something Max Kellerman said. Yeah. And and, uh, a member of the syndicate, Kyle Kyle Bratzel, um, on Twitter, uh, added me. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, you guys make our job easier. Thank you, sir. You got me. Ball sack or just whack. Good job, Kyle. That that might be the most whack. I mean, we've had some Emmanuel Acho, like, disasters on this. This one... This is this is one of the worst that I've seen. Yeah, it, this one was something else. Um, okay, how fast he runs! He doesn't oh my, know. So what is he? I mean, there are. So does, is that like a qualification for all athletes? Does he Jeff, think that Jeff, like offensive linemen are bad athletes? Like, our friend Jeff Schwartz. Uh, our friend Jeff Schwartz uh, messaged us, um, and, and and messaged and said, "Look, uh, I I'm a professional athlete and I'm really slow." <laughs> um so yeah yeah it does it, it feels like i'll just say this is like life advice for anybody any and, and and this is where people get in trouble because they'll be like oh you're just not following the data it's like anytime you use one variable to try to make a a a, a point about something as complicated as sports you are going to lose the argument right oh his pff grade was 17 you saying he sucks it's like well he's not worth the money you know like anytime you use one variable as a gotcha, 
you're you're gonna like it's not gonna work. Like you're gonna lose the argument because uh yeah, it's like, well, is he fast? It's like, no, fuck. Is John Daly fast? Fuck, you know. I mean, well, John Daly, if if Tiger isn't an athlete, then no golfer is an athlete. I mean Yeah, Tiger Tiger was like the best athlete to ever play. Like at times, I mean that guy was yoked. I mean I, I think that you could make a strong case that that Tiger and I probably don't have enough historical context here, but certainly in my generation, no athlete has done more for their sport. And this includes Michael Jordan. And I'm not saying he's a better athlete than Michael Jordan, but no athlete has actually done more for their sport or been more dominant within their sport than Tiger Woods has been in a, in a solo sport. Now I know obviously there's some tennis players that have been very, very good, but what Tiger did for the game of golf like there have been some really good tennis players there's no none of them have raised the the um the interest in that sport well and woods was fundamentally different like woods woods was wearing you know the jump man and the nike and like he was wearing form-fitting shirts and you could tell that he was actually uh you know setting a trend among golfers to have to be to be built right and like if anybody is not an athlete in golf it's not tiger woods i would say that uh, that, that's not the person to make the example of. Okay. Br- LeBron James drops 43 points points in uh, Capitals in the first round of the Cancun Invitational, year 20. Picture of LeBron James mean mugging in the crowd at the Cancun Invitational. <laughs> I mean, this is this is great. This is fantastic because <laughs> there are certainly – this certainly got someone – and that this is one of those ones where it's like the stupidity test, you know, where it's like if this got you, like you yes. have to be banned from ever retweeting or saying anything ever in your life. That's good. That's good. I also don't think that everyone talks about people going to Cancun. I don't, I don't think people go to Cancun anymore. I went to Cancun consecutive years in, in middle school as a family vacation and I will never go back. We'll never go back. Um Okay, and, and a companion, a companion uh, post, video. LeBron James drops thirty-five points at family birthday party. Ankle looks great. <laughs> are, how are you taking this 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 Lakers season? Because other than like the Kobe, you know, torn Achilles sort mm-hmm. of like stretch run, yeah, like this is as bad. This is as disappointing as the Lakers have ever been, right? Like for, relative to expectations, and I know expectations were probably off because. You know, a lot of people could see before the season that like putting an old kind of shitty team around LeBron James was not good. It's not going to be good. But but like still, I mean, this team is going to win. This team's going to lose fifty games. They're not like yeah. I um the way I'm taking this season. So my expectations of Russell Westbrook fitting in with this team because I'm not. I don't follow the NBA that closely. I follow it closely enough to know that that was going to be a challenge. And I thought there was a chance that maybe they figured it out like a small chance, but um, like, like it just wasn't going to work, man. It just wasn't going to work. And um, I like Russell Westbrook. I think he's a fun player. I really respect his game, I guess is the right way to put it. But like, I don't, you could have pulled a lot of people who watch basketball decently frequently and their expectations of this team would not have been high. That said, I think they would have, I, th- I thought they would have made the playoffs. So I am as a as a Lakers fan, I am disappointed, although I see a silver lining, which is 
I think GM LeBron needed a wake-up call. And this is a fucking wake-up call. So yeah. that's that's my firm take. Not worried, re-energized. Um, okay. And then so both of those are ball sex sports. Yeah. This Obviously. one is also ball. I'm giving away this one as ball sex sports because oh. the tweet was so fucking good that I couldn't do it. And it was a it was a tweet that said the most signature move in NBA history, and I don't even know how to describe it. But it was the and again they're just roasting LeBron because mm-hmm. it's fun to do. And this yeah. and the guy that runs Ball Sack Sports is from Cleveland, so it's kind of like oh roasting know. LeBron is look I'm not a LeBron fan. I, he's an amazing player. Yeah. He is he is not and people take this the wrong way. He's not too dissimilar to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson yeah. is like an extreme case of LeBron and is obviously not as good, but like the it's just so inauthentic and corny and annoying to like root for as a person. And obviously LeBron has done amazingly and overcome a ton of stuff and he deserves it all. But it's like not super fun to like root for LeBron the person. And anyways, that was my LeBron's my like I'll, I'll say this, like LeBron's not cool. There you go. That's right? the right way to say it. Yeah, like he, LeBron's amazing, you know. LeBron is not cool. That's all you had to say. Michael Jordan, probably the coolest athlete ever. LeBron, not. Anyways. Which is is rich coming for me. But the most signature move in NBA history was LeBron. LeBron, it's that move that he makes where he dribbles and he like kind of like puts it next to his hip. And you know, like, you you know that this is great podcasting, but like he... That, that, like, sort of stupid three-point shot he takes off yeah. the dribble, right? Yep. And the, <laughs> ball the, like, giant goes, step back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not even a step back. Like, there's no explosion to it or anything. And they go, this is the most signature move in NBA history. Ball sack sports ret- quote tweets themselves and says, obviously a satirical tweet. I don't see this as a move. More so the scouting report encouraging Braun to shoot that and him understanding that slowing down and getting a rhythm head start on the gather. So, like... This is the funniest thing about ball sack sports, and I think why it's had like success is that they actually understand the game. So there's there's obvious like to be funny and to make fun of the game, you have to actually understand it. And, and so you know, this is just me kind of giving them an attaboy because I think I, I honestly think that this is like one of the funniest accounts that's been on on the Twitter in, in, in quite some time. I agree. We love ball sack sports. You found it. They've been fantastic, and they're starting to get some love. Um, a lot of love, actually. So shout out to Boss Exports. Thank you for giving us some great content. This was our podcast. We will be back with you on Wednesday. Travel safe. Uh, enjoy the trip. And uh, we'll see you, uh, see you on the other side. Love you all. Peace.